Hello, NAFI members and flight instructors. This is John Niehaus again for the National Association of Flight Instructors. And as always, I am pleased to welcome you to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And uh, this is usually the time I talk about uh, who's sponsoring the podcast. In this case, it is us. More specifically, the NAFI Master Program, Master Flight Instructor Program, to be more exact. And uh, basically, I just want to talk to you a little bit about uh, um, the program as we get closer to the fall and as our schedules start to ease up from the summer flying season. Um, you've all probably had a lot going on and, uh, just wanted you to consider that that's a perfect time to, uh, look at the master program because of all those activities. Uh, you probably have a pretty good, uh, um, foundation for, uh, making a application for the program. Um, it's a really cool thing. It has uh, three different sections to it. It has the Master Flight Instructor section, the Associate Master, and the Master Ground Instructor. And uh, all three are fantastic achievements. It's a great way to sort of recognize the most active and most dedicated bunch. Now, that's not to say that uh, instructors who are not masters are not dedicated and are not active. Um, but, uh, this is just kind of a way to go above and beyond. And, uh, we really, really, really try to make sure that the world knows who, um, who these individuals are. We, we try to use this as a, a, um, platform to kind of launch someone's, uh, reputation is probably not the right way to put it, but uh, we want to we want to make sure that people know who you are. We want to make sure they know that you've really uh, put your all into what you do. And, and uh, the master instructor program is not an easy thing to uh, to to accomplish. So it's it's a really cool thing when people do uh, get accredited. Um, the master flight instructor actually does renew your CFI. So if that's something that you're interested in, it's a, it's a great bonus. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something really fun. And if you are on the fence or if you're interested, uh, please go ahead and give me a call directly, 866-806-6156. And the reason why I ask that is because I think that uh, just a short conversation um, over the phone, I can save you some, some time and effort because I know how daunting it can be looking at the application. Um, I know that uh, it can be a lot of work, and I can try to save you some frustration. So um, anyways, we would love you to participate. If you want any more information, you can go to our website, naffynet.org, or again, you can give us a call at 866-806-6156. I also have a really, really exciting thing coming. Now look for a new edition starting on uh, September 20th. And uh, so look for some news about the master program then. It's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to share it with everybody, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun with it. So without further ado, the uh, presentation you're about to listen to actually comes from the old uh, chairman's webinar days. In fact, this actually dates back to 2014, so it's been a while, um, which does explain just a little bit of the audio, um, but it's still good and it's an amazing presentation by a uh, uh, individual, Marcy Katz. Now, Marcy is a aviation organizer, and um, she talks about the importance of making sure that uh, you, as a pilot, you as a flight instructor, 
are organized and that you are teaching in an organized way and you're teaching in a way um, that is most beneficial to students. And so I think it's a really cool thing to uh, to listen to. It's something a little bit outside the box. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we do. And uh, once again, get organized by Marcy Katz. I'm Marcy Katz, known as the Organized Aviator, the world's first and only certified professional organizer with a private pilot license in an airplane. Um, also on this call tonight is my husband, Mike, who will jump in when we get to the Q&A. Uh, but let me go ahead and introduce him now. Um, my husband, Mike, has been flying since the age of 14. Uh, he's been a flight instructor since 1980, and he's taught several hundred people how to fly. He's, that's his part-time job. He's also an award-winning aerospace design engineer with 38 years' experience at the Kennedy Space Center, and he is a professional engineer and also um, a CFI, both airplane and instrument. So we talked about um, the certified professional organizer. There are actually about 400 um, certified by the Board of Certification, and throughout the U.S. and the world, there are about 5,000 professional organizers. I earned my private pilot license in 2005, and I'm also an aircraft owner of a beautiful, beautiful Turbo T210. And the bottom line is I love to organize, and I also love to fly. Now, I do believe that life is better when you're organized, and I also believe that being organized makes flying less work and more fun, and, of course, it also makes it safer. Um, I also want you to know that while I'm proud of my credentials and what I've been able to help my clients accomplish over the last 10 years of professional organizing, um, I wasn't born organized, and I wasn't born knowing how to fly. Um, I had a lot to learn uh, along the way. I didn't come from an organized household, and I didn't come from a family of pilots. But the good news is that organizational skills can be learned, and if I can do it, uh, so can you and so can your students. So this is for you if you embrace the NAFI mission of professionalism in flight instruction and if you're open to a new point of view that may help you better serve your students. So tonight we're going to cover what it means to be organized, why it matters, especially for pilots, and how you can create space for organizing skills in flight instruction. So there are many definitions of organizing, uh, but one of my favorites is actually Winnie the Pooh's. And uh, you could read it here, but organizing is what you do before you do something so that when you do it, it is not all mixed up. So that covers a lot, um, but let's look a little bit closer beneath the surface at uh, the many dimensions of organizing. And you can think of the physical stuff, such as your, uh, your personal gear or your checklist or kind of the things you have around the cabin. You can think of organizing your information, uh, be it paper or digital. You can have charts or approach plates or your GPS or your iPad. Um, there's also organization regarding your thoughts, and that's sequencing, uh, staying ahead of the airplane, some of the aeronautical decision-making. And then um, your habits and your actions. Um, you think of uh, your, your routines, both pre- and post-flight, and when you're doing things uh, during the flight. There's also time management. Um, you have to wonder, are your students prompt 
or do they cancel at the last minute, or do they forget about their lessons entirely? Uh, that's all part of organization. And then, of course, um, goals and planning, whether it's their, um, their progress along their, the ratings that they're looking for or just even their flight planning. And it's very common, I just want to point out, for people to be more or less organized in different areas of their life, uh, depending on their interest level or their perceived importance and you know, different you know, motivations around that. Now, just like organizing has many dimensions, Disorganization has many causes, and you kind of have to be a detective. At least that's what kind of I do with my clients. So it could be a lack of skills. Um, organizing is not taught at school, um, and sometimes there's poor modeling at home or at work. It could be due to personal choices. Um, you think of uh, misplaced priorities or maybe overscheduling or, or just um, adopting habits that don't serve you well. Uh, systemic factors, perhaps there's no system in place, or there's an ineffective system, it's too complicated, impossible to implement, so it just breaks down. There's also uh, learning styles, and I know um, this is taught in, in Flight Instructor Academy. Um, you, you know, sometimes there's a mismatch between somebody's learning style and the system being used. If you're very visual, for example, sometimes out of sight is out of mind. So that can create um, organizing challenges. And then information processing deficits, maybe difficulty with decisions. People can be particularly distractible or um, have kind of memory deficits. Now there's also physical issues uh, related to mobility, fatigue, vision, maybe medication, cognition, and these can be um, any age or related to aging. And then I do want to point out, I hope that this doesn't apply to um, gosh, a, a flight student, but there are neurological-based conditions and mental health issues that will lead to disorganization. And even though as a professional organizer and a flight instructor you can't really diagnose these, you want to be on the lookout for depression, anxiety, things like ADHD, uh, maybe Parkinson's or MS, which could affect a, a student's ability to be organized. And again, I want to point out that disorganization is not it's not, it is not a sign of lack of intelligence. Um, it's simply uh, something else entirely. So why is organization important? Uh, well, it's important especially for pilots. Um, number one, if you look on the left-hand side, because it increases safety, which is always foremost in our mind. Um, also efficiency and performance. Organization really facilitates learning and also enjoyment of the flight instruction. Um, it also decreases stress, and stress is super important. It's even part of the OMSAFE checklist. It's very important to eliminate or decrease stress as much as possible because not only will it decrease your performance, but it really inhibits or shuts, shuts the brain down and makes learning much more difficult, if not impossible. Um, being organized also decreases frustration, mistakes, and, of course, accidents. So how can flight instructors help students improve their organizing skills? So first of all, you can be a role model. Um, for better or for worse, students will imitate you, so you always want to be on the lookout for that. Um, now many flight instructors do have excellent organizing, organizing skills. It's kind of like an unconscious competence. You know, you just seasoned in instructors, it's kind of second nature to you. 
Um, so if that's the case, you know, sometimes you, you have to kind of study yourself and observe what you're doing in order to, to teach it. But modeling it is often something that, you, that's, that really helps a student. But you do want to ask yourself, well, how do I show up? Uh, am I modeling positive organizational skills? Number two, uh, just be more aware about the role of organization. Uh, you can observe your students, and you can notice their level of organizing skill. Uh, look for clues. So for example, some specifics, gosh, do they forget their sunglasses? Do they forget to do their homework? Is their flight bag a mess? Uh, are they dropping their pencil because it's not attached to the clipboard? Um, these are some examples. Some other examples might be if they're using paper charts, they're not folded to the flight path that they're taking, or the approach plates aren't marked correctly. Um, maybe if they're using an electronic uh, database, either GPS or an iPad, they can't find their files quickly, or the checklists aren't handy. So these are kind of some of the things that you might notice that uh, a student is doing. Now, every student is different. Um, you know, they have different um, levels of skill. Just like some have more hand-eye coordination, some have better communication skill, um, some are more organized than others. Now, I would say that, not to generalize, but you've probably noticed a difference between your students who are, say, engineers, mechanics, or career-oriented pilots than maybe ones that are doctors, lawyers, or, or those ones that we all love, those entrepreneurs. <laughs> um, they have a little bit of different skill. And the third way um, that you can include, that, that you can help, is to include teachings about organization in your lessons. So you already do um, like these three phases of lessons where you have your pre-flight orientation and then the during the flight in the cockpit and then the post-flight. So we can incorporate organizing teachings in all of those areas. Um, so during the pre-flight, for example, um, you know, you're not only just teaching skills, but as your magazine even implies, as a flight instructor, you're a mentor. And whether a student is just starting out or working on an advanced rating, you want to uh, expand their horizons both as a pilot and a person. So you really want to hold open that space of possibility for them. So one way to do that during the, the pre-flight is to help them transition from whatever they're doing before the flight lesson to the flight lesson to getting centered and being fully present. You want to facilitate their clarity and focus so you can get the lesson off to an organized start. Um, Post-flight evaluation. Um, and I've got some specific questions on the next page, but depending on the student, if they need it, you can discuss some of their organizing challenges, uh, get to the root cause if possible, some of the reasons we explored earlier, and explore solutions with them so that they can become more organized and uh, excel in their flight, uh, flight lessons. Again, when you assign homework, see if they have a study plan, um, again, a little bit beyond the realm of what you're tasked with doing, but it's a good clue as to whether they're organized or not, how organized they are with their homework and even their course materials. And then scheduling the next lesson, you can observe their calendaring skills. Um, most, most people have pretty good calendar, calendaring skills, but um, not all. So let's take a look at some sample questions you can ask your students either post-flight or even just in a, a different ground lesson um, 
if they have organizing challenges. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how prepared or organized did you feel for today's lesson? And if not a 10, what could you do to make it a 10 for next time? Here are some more general questions. Um, in general, how organized do you consider yourself? And are there some areas of your, of your life where you were more organized than others, and what do you think accounts for that? Um, a lot of times, you know, someone can reach inside of themselves and find the solution. So um, they know more than they think. You just sometimes need to, to bring it up. A couple of other questions. Um, how would you rate your organizing skills uh, with respect to aviation, um, both pre-flight in the cockpit and, and their study habits? Um, just sometimes getting somebody to, to rate their, their skills will bring attention to it. What way is your current level of organizing skills supporting your goal of becoming a pilot or, or earning whatever rating? And ask them, in what ways is disorganization holding you back? What specific areas do you feel you need improvement? And what steps will you take to build organizing skills? So this is how you can approach um, some of these questions with your students and help them develop strategies and habits and routines that will be supportive of um, their organizing goals. So I'm going to um, pause here and actually um, open it up for some ahas, any question and discussion. I'm really interested in uh, specific examples of, of what you've you found with your students and your experience in flight instruction? Now, I will, I'm going to lead off with a question or a thought, and maybe this will trigger some conversation here. One of the issues I have, uh, as being both a very busy person uh, working for a large corporation here in Omaha, uh, many of you who read the magazine can probably figure out who that is, uh, and, I'm, and I instruct uh, and I'm a busy instructor at the same time. And what I find myself fighting all the time is my students, this really sounds crass, but the only way I can say it, my students seem to think that my time is their time or their time is my time or something like that. That I have no, often I feel like I have no control over my own personal schedule uh, during, the, during good weather. Uh, there's a part of me that dreads the month of June, I'll be honest with you because all of a sudden the phone just doesn't stop. And how do you, what do you recommend? Okay, so, um, so you're talking about overscheduling yourself. Oh, well, other, well, other people helping me overschedule. Okay, How's that so, sound? Right, so there's two, there's two issues here that come to my mind. Um, the first is it's a boundary issue, okay? It's, it's the students don't know how many other students are calling you, and they don't know your busy schedule. So it's not totally their fault. <laughs> um, and then it's a matter of, of, of you being able to say that big word that we all have problems with, which is no, N-O. So one way of doing it, because we don't like to say no, no, no. So when you take your calendar in the month of June or whatever month it is, decide in advance what is the maximum number of hours you want to flight instruct or what days you're available to flight instruct. Now, I know the weather comes into play and student schedules comes into play, so there's flexibility. But, you know, if you have an, make an appointment with yourself and then um, you can move those blocks of time around, but when the blocks are filled, then the answer is, gee, I'm so sorry, I don't have any more availability this week. Can we do it? Does that make okay. sense? 
That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, and it's a good it's a good strategy because often I find my I can't speak for the other instructors uh, here, but uh, often I find myself surprised. I'll put it that way, and wondering when I will ever get to see that movie I uh, I rented. Well, you know, the, th the thing is, I mean, it's not just flight instruction. It's really all of life, right? We all have more that we want to do than time to do it. And we make appointments with doctors. We make, gosh, we show up to work when we have to because we have to punch that time card. But we sometimes forget to make appointments with ourselves, right? That's a great approach. <laughs> I have a question, and I'm just curious um, from the flight instructors if they – have noticed disorganization being a problem with their students or, um, you know, how they've experienced that, if they have experienced that? How it's I, got, I got a comment. Yes. Go ahead, Ted. Um, one of the biggest things that I found was that you had to teach your organi organizational skills to the instrument students because they have to be organized enough, they have to be familiar enough with the airplane to stay far enough ahead of the airplane that they can stay ahead of the flight. But in order to stay ahead of the flight, you have to be organized enough to have everything laid out in order so that you can respond to changes as it goes through. And that organization's of skills, I don't think I teach it as specifically that, but um, I do teach in such a manner that that's a major part of it. You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, as a student progresses from, you know, private to instrument, it's, it's an up-leveling of their skill. And it's really no different than somebody starting out, say, in a company job and they don't really have a lot of responsibility and then they get more responsibility and they have to be more organized and have, you know, more email to process and, and the same kind of thing. So we talked about, you know, helping someone grow as a person and sometimes their, their level of organizing skill will catch up to them, and then that next step, they'll need more. Does that make sense? So I, I, think to, I think the rule is to expect your students not to have that kind of skill, particularly if they're not um, – I mean, there's, again, we talked about different types of students. Some are just super organized. They're, you know, role models for everybody. And then others struggle a little more. Um, but, it, again, it's not a sign of, of lack of intelligence or lack of ability. It's just that they, they haven't had that skill catch up with them yet. That's no, the great. Point, Go the ahead. Point I, the point I was trying to make is that when you get to that, when you get to an area where you have a higher cockpit workload, um, if you're flying single pilot IFR with a light twin and no autopilot, you know, you really have to be organized because that's one of the heaviest cockpit workloads you're going to get. And so your training, as we're training people, I don't think we specifically say we're teaching you organization, but we have to be doing that in order for them to gain the skill levels to obtain that um, ability to fly at whatever, at the more advanced ratings and the higher cockpit workloads. Well, well that's exactly right. And, and I think I said that you, you teach it, you just might not call it organizing. Um, but that you definitely have to teach it. And, and it could be if you notice a student um, is, is not as sharp in that, then that might be a discussion about their personal minimums. Um, they might, you know, get the rating, but maybe that's, that's something that factors in, just like some, some pilots, you know, like crosswinds and some just, you know, can do them. 
It's the same thing with, with um, you know, handling that higher workload um, on an instrument flight. Marcy, that, Ted's question, and that was Ted Sanders. He's on our, uh, on our board of directors. You might have met him uh, at Sun and Fun. Hi, Ted. Um, Hi. <laughs> um, the, um, Ted's question brings to mind a, a, a thought. Does it, would it make sense for a CFI, and again, we have to be amateur psychologists. We have, we basically go through fundamentals, fundamentals of instruction, which makes qualifies us to be. Uh, we can't hang anything after our names, but it qualifies us to be a street corner psychologist. Uh, you're certainly a professional at, at uh, a professional organizer, but it brings to mind: Do we have to take some lessons from you and actually put together a, a specific class or session with a student, or a couple of sessions? Just titled organiz cockpit organization. Uh, there's certainly been a lot of articles about it. People have talked around it, but maybe maybe it's time for that to be a specific uh, specific lesson plan, again tailored to the to the level of the student. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know the the time has come to you know integrate a lot of these these different things. Again, um, you know, in my profession, I study a lot of psychology too. I can't diagnose anything, but certainly. Um, you know, when you put the two together, there's, there's a lot that, that could be done. You know, you talk about cockpit organization, and I kind of have my kind of five little, um, five parts of cockpit organization, which is kind of a whole other presentation, which maybe we could get into it at another time. But, you know, the, the main thing about it that I want to stress is that the solution has to work for the student. And that's where sometimes we try to, you know, we try to be good models. We teach them they imitate us or they imitate the instructor and they do like the instructor, but not everything works for everybody, you know, and that, that's the difference, so. Yeah, certainly, certainly my style uh, doesn't work necessarily for my students. I, uh, I have students, I'm amazed at how much they write down out of a, uh, out of a METAR, for example, where basically, okay, there's the winds, there's the ceiling, I'm happy, uh, there's the altimeter. And we're good. And I use again. My style is I use the cockpit to organize myself or the the instruments. So finding what works, find learning how to teach those skills to somebody who doesn't do it the same way you do, because there's technique versus procedure is is an interesting conundrum. And I guess I'm building up to the question of how do you how do you learn to recognize what's valid for somebody else, which wouldn't work for you at all, how do you recognize a good process versus one that, uh, that isn't? In, in other words, I know organization when I see it. I just don't know how to, how to, uh, how to describe it. Well, so for a student, okay, the, one of the things is, um, you know, do they like it? You know, is it something that's comfortable for them or does it not really work? And you can, you can kind of look for clues in other areas of their life. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of articles, a lot of them tongue-in-cheek, but about, you know, the, an open flight bag versus the one with all the pockets, you know. <laughs> and they both work, um, but there are certain people have strong preferences one to the other. And it's kind of the same with um, everything else. You know, some people like me board, some people don't. You know, some people like their iPad stuck up here, some people like it stuck lower. And... You know, those type of things, some people like to copy down more detailed clearances and some just, you know, shorthand. Um, some of that is experience and some of it is preference. So um, 
the best way that I found is to ask the student. You know, if you see something not working, try to ask why um, or what do they think would work better. Okay, that's fair. I think, Bob, one of the things you have to recognize is what works for them may not work for someone else. And you have to analyze and figure out what's working for them. When I was teaching um, firearms to basic and advanced firearms at the police department, you don't insist that everybody hold the gun the same way. You insist that everybody follows the safety rules. But once they can, when they operate within the limitations that they have, and they do what works for them, and you encourage that. You don't try to discourage it. You don't have to do it the way I do. You have to do it the way that is successful. Ooh, That's I a great point. Better than myself. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have to like it, and it has to work. 